You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, Tuesday edition. We are, there's a lot to get into, it's draft season, but we're getting whispers about contracts and a couple of running backs have signed, Gio Bernard and James Conner. There is Teddy Bridgewater news. What are the Carolina Panthers doing now that they traded for Sam Darnold? They've got the eighth pick in the draft still. Teddy Bridgewater's future a little up in the air. Some contract information there on what they could do. And and uh, maybe some teams are interested. And the retirement of Julian Edelman, Matt, is probably a good place to start here. Because, uh, and by the way, I'm Brian Peacock at BD Peacock on Twitter. That is Matt Williamson at Williamson NFL. Let's start with the Edelman stuff because I've seen a lot of this and this is kind of what happens. You know, a famous player had a good career, retires. Is he a Hall of Famer? That's that's the question that always gets asked immediately. And the number one takeaway I have on this, whether or not Edelman should or should not be a Hall of Famer. I want to start with this. Can we wait? I mean, maybe you don't have to wait all five years because that's when you can start voting on such things. Can we wait like five minutes at least? Because (laughs) I think it just hurts the player because immediately people have to start what feels like bad mouthing a guy if they don't think he's in the Hall of Fame. And I don't think Edelman's close to a Hall of Famer. Amazing career. Great legacy. One of the greatest postseason receivers ever and obviously had a lot of opportunities to do that. And his, his playoff numbers are unbelievable you know coincidentally you and I talked wide receivers yesterday for this draft and you mentioned you know how much you value toughness and boy he comes to mind in that regard and I often talk about slot guys how you know 180 pound corners don't bump them out of bounds they get hit by Ray Lewis and the teeth going over the middle of the field and he exemplified that and Mac quarterback turned great slot machine at the next level such a patriot move, you know, all those things are wonderful. But I mean, the, the Hall of Fame conversation to me isn't laughable, but no, I mean, the postseason stuff is wonderful and that's his best argument. But the two guys that I came up with that are comps for him are Heinz Ward, who had his share of postseason success, not like the Patriots, obviously. And who I think has zero chance of being in the Hall of Fame, despite my Steeler loyalty. I, I think he is very much on the outside looking in, and he has been up a few times and hasn't gotten close to being a finalist. And really, Edelman's contemporary in Wes Welker. You know, like, who's better, Welker or Edelman? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying either or both should go, but I think that's a conversation in itself. And the big thing when you bring up those receivers, I think those are fantastic comps. And you can't give a player a team award like going to the postseason mm-hmm. and and winning Super Bowls because then they would just be all, you know, 80s 49ers and 70s Steelers and 2000s Patriots in the Super Bowl, right? And and none of these other great players. And, and you would be not putting in people like Dan Marino, right, into the Hall of Fame. So the team stuff you have to separate from what the player did and just those two players who are his best comps and contemporaries were better stats wise than Julian I Edelman. Think so. and, yeah. and Julian Edelman had a great career and maybe you you could argue that you know if you had Wes Welker and uh, Julian Edelman and you were drafting those two players and you get a rookie version of that for the rest of their careers I could buy the argument you'd draft Edelman over Welker but Welker was the maybe. original and and Troy Brown before him actually was the OG right and so you see how that position has worked with the Patriots and 
really, it's hard to differentiate the statistics. They're all really good regular season players, but Welker's stats are better than Edelman's, and Heinz Ward's stats are better than Edelman's. Yeah, yeah, and again, I don't think Ward has any shot. He wouldn't get my vote. Of the three, I would probably pick Welker if I had to, but in the reality, I think none of the three belong. You know, a Tory Holt or a Reggie Wayne that's up soon or Andre Johnson. I mean, these are the guys they're competing against right. for borderline Hall of Fame wide receiver types, and they're all at the bottom of that list for me, you know? And look, the the point, this is what I always come back to when it comes to the Hall of Fame. It's why the argument is so annoying, because it should take five seconds to figure out who the Hall of Famers are. <laughs> yeah. Being a good player, just because I recognize your name and you just retired and maybe you hoisted a Lombardi at some point, that doesn't make you a Hall of Famer. The point of the Hall of Fame is that really good players are not in. That's what makes it the Hall of Fame. Right, right, exactly. And uh, I, I think it's gotten a little too lenient. You know, like, the bring it back to the Steelers. Bill Cowher got in this past year. He'll get inducted this next year because of COVID and all that nonsense. But if that's a Hall of Fame coach, I think the bar is a little too low. You know, like, Terrell Davis, to me, was in, in the Hall, but when they got my vote. Like, I think the bar's gotten a little too low. And if you're going to start putting the Edelmans and Welkers and Wards in the conversation, I think it's way too low. Not to mention, I mean, Edelman and Welker caught a ton of balls every year. I mean, you want them in your PPR league. But they were very, they weren't threatening, you know, d- downfield. They were a certain type of player. I'm not saying their job wasn't hard or extremely important or instrumental to Patriot success, but they weren't well-rounded receivers. You know, I mean, they weren't, you know, even a Michael Thomas or a Devontae Adams or, you know, I mean, to threaten outside the numbers and do all those things. And then one thing you mentioned I just wanted to bring up because – I can see why Patriots fans dislike this situation, but a lot of it's just the nature of that organization. When you look at the 70s Steelers, the 80s um, Niners, even the Aikman Cowboys, there's a lot of Hall of Famers on those teams where the Patriots aren't going to have as many for being the best team in the league for 20 years. I mean, it's Brady, Belichick, and some other guys, but they're not going to have 15 and even on some of those teams, there are guys that didn't get into the Hall of Fame, too, because there were so many other Hall of Famers and maybe they got overlooked and players like Roger Craig. I would I would vote for Roger Craig personally over Julian Edelman. Uh, Me too. You mentioned some of the other receivers that aren't in right now, guys like Torrey Holt. I mean, you can't even start talking about Julian Edelman until Torrey Holt goes in because he's much right. more deserving, in my opinion. And I don't know if Holt should get in. And, and that's sort of the point of it all is that someone that great is not even in the Hall of Fame. That's what makes the Hall of Fame what it is. It's the all-timers of the all-timers. Yeah, I mean, Edelman belongs in the Patriots Ring of Honor or whatever they call yeah. it. Tremendous career. I hate that we, you know, it's all negative. This guy is in a Hall of Famer. Yeah, Great that's career. The worst you, know? Yeah. Yeah. you know, it's just the nature of the people want to hear that. But I don't think he's really even in the conversation. And by the way, with our wide receiver conversation yesterday, I, I wanted to mention, and I totally forgot uh, to talk about Dax Milne, the BYU wide receiver, future Patriot, too. So we'll be talking to, okay. about him in about 11 <laughs> yeah. years, I have a feeling. Nice. All right. Uh, we've got some new faces in new places. Gio Bernard and James Connor on the move in free agency found some new teams. Uh, an article you sent me, Matt, about draft capital and which teams own the draft and are going to run yeah. the show during the selection meeting for all three days of the NFL draft coming up at the end of the month here. And Teddy Bridgewater's situation in Carolina. Next. Even though football season is over. There's plenty to bet on in the offseason as it pertains to the NFL and the draft and 
numerous other sports. March Madness was a blast. So are the Masters and more upcoming. Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL. Get in on all of it at Bet Online. Who will be the first pick, the second pick? I think we have a really good vibe on that. But pick number three, think you could make yourself some money. First of certain positions off the board that are going to add more NFL draft props as we get closer as well. And Bet Online is the fastest, easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. They even cover awards, TV shows, reality TV, real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can. Imagine, Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. All you got to do, head over to the website. You can use your mobile app, mobile device. Use promo code LOCKEDON to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Don't forget to check out all the other shows here on the Locked On Podcast Network, like Locked On Today with Peter Bukowski taking you through the sports world in 20 minutes every morning and Locked On NFL Draft, which I was on recently, uh, talking drafts, talking about the 49ers, and actually had Ben Solak from Locked On NFL Draft on my podcast, Locked On 49ers, as well. So talking a lot of draft and uh, big news, obviously, for the 49ers about moving up to the third pick and what they're going to do there at quarterback and a lot of great conversations about the sporting world right here on the network after you're done listening to the Peacock and Williamson podcast, of course. And Matt, also your other show on the network is uh, Locked On Dynasty, which is this is big for for the dynasty world, right? The NFL draft and how much things change when you see where a player goes and what team he goes to, right? Oh, without question. And again, coincidentally, Ryan and I last night recorded some team need stuff, you know, just free agencies come and gone. Who are teams that could be in the running back, wide receiver, tight end, quarterback market in the draft, which obviously affects fantasy quite a bit. And that kind of leads me to the Connor and Gio Bernard signings because they're not, you know, earth shattering moves. Don't get me wrong, but they, these teams start to tell you things and Gio Bernard's not a, a, neither of them are great players, but just a year ago in the dynasty world, people were buzzing about now why can't i remember his name who's the, the, the running back tampa drafted in the fourth round last year oh um i I've, i'm blanking on his name walker w starts with a w right he, i think he didn't he end up on the practice squad he barely played at all he was like a first round dynasty pick last year because fournette wasn't with the team yet all he had to beat out was ronald jones and I kind of liked him, you know, but he was like shooting up, you know, boards like crazy. People were using early picks on the guy. I should know his name. That's terrible. Um, and he barely Vaughn. did a Keyshawn thing. Keyshawn Vaughn. Keyshawn Vaughn. Third round. Keyshawn pick. Vaughn. Yeah. Exactly. 76 overall. Yeah. Pretty early pick. People thought he'd be like a fifth rounder. They used him, you know, a, a late third on the guy, a mid third on the guy. And he was supposed to be a well-rounded do it all back where Fournette is clearly the early down guy. Ronald Jones is still in the equation and Gio is going to make the team as the receiving back. So just goes to show you how fast that position changes and not that it's huge news, but he's going to kind of be there. Uh, they're white or they're Vereen or somebody like that for Brady. And then I wanted to bring this because this goes to the Warren Sharp draft conversation. Connor to the cards. It makes a lot of sense because the Steelers' former running back coach is now the running back coach in Arizona, knows him well. And he's had all kinds of injuries, obviously. 
And he's a different player than Chase Edmonds, who, by the way, I would be buying in Dynasty like crazy because Mm -hmm. if anyone thinks that Edmonds' stock just went down, I think it went up because here's why. is I didn't realize this till yesterday, and then we saw this draft capital article. The The only draft picks the Cardinals have are their first, their second, a fifth, and two sevenths. So... Najee Harris ain't going to be a Cardinal. You know what I mean? Like, I I think like the running back room in Arizona, and that's a big fantasy note, is probably pretty set now, which makes me want Edmonds in a big way. Absolutely. Yeah. And much less likely they're going to draft a player that's going to go over the top of either one of those guys. And now you have a clear pecking order. And if Chase Edmonds is the guy, and it seems like what they've done in free agency would point to that. And it doesn't mean they're not going to bring in competition, but um, I think you're going to get a steal of a player there in Chase Edmonds for fantasy purposes, but mm-hmm. what are the Cardinals getting in Connor? What, what does he have left? Because he's obviously not the same guy that we saw early in his pit career in college, and he was on a certain trajectory. That changed, still had a nice start to his career in Pittsburgh. He's only 25 years old still, which blows me away. I feel like he's been on the radar for 10 years now, um, but how much does he have left in the tank? What kind of player is he now? Oh, well, I mean, the team that knew him best, and he's from this area, he's from Erie, PA, and went to Pitt, obviously. Um Chose Ch- Caitlin Balaj over him. I mean, that says a, mm-hmm. a mouthful there. I-, I think he's just very hard to rely on. Anyone that's had him on their fantasy team understands the injury history. And I don't know if that has anything to do with his um, history with cancer or lymphomas or whatever, but his running style really lends itself to injuries too. I mean, he is a tough, rugged runner but he doesn't have a lot of subtle movements to graze off tacklers. And, you know, something we don't talk about enough with running back evals is just the subtle movements to kind of just not take big hits. Well, he takes a lot of big hits, better receiver than people think when he's right. He's a good player. I mean, he's a, a, a fine player, but the, the running back position in Pittsburgh has been terrible for two years. And that's why I keep mocking Najee Harris to them. But it's not a bad pickup for this late in the process for Arizona, considering maybe it kills a draft day need for them. I think that's a big part of this. Killing a draft day need. They're looking at the board and they're like, well, maybe we'll take a a day three running back or something like that. But we want to make sure we have our one or two, our short yardage guy and our main guy set up. And we don't have to do anything in the draft. And I think that's really key. If you start pigeon, you're holding yourself in to needing a running back. You do like the Buccaneers did. And wow, what a draft the Buccaneers had last year. It's going to go down as as one of the better drafts in a while, I think, with Tristan Wirfs and Antoine Winfield, their first two picks. Fantastic. Knocked it out of the park. Big parts uh, as rookies on a Super Bowl team. Take that all day long, even if nothing else good happened. But man, that pick of Keyshawn Vaughn, who was a little head scratcher at the time, even as a third yeah, round pick, 76 overall, middle of the round, th- uh, round three area. And he had a nice career at Vanderbilt, but he wasn't a player I was expecting. Okay, this guy's going to be a starter. And I think that's one of the things I talked about uh, a minute ago about the dynasty stuff, because nobody was all about Keyshawn Vaughn before the draft and drafting him in those dynasty rookie leagues. Uh, And I love to see because I've been in dynasty leagues and some of them draft rookies before the NFL draft and some draft after. And it's amazing how much the real NFL draft will change for a player and which players go where and and how high you're willing to draft a guy. And I'm sure Keyshawn Vaughn went from being, you know, not really thought of as a dynasty asset to after the draft being like, oh, my God, first round pick. And then now again, okay, well. That was quick, and now he's back to the bottom the field, of the list. Yeah. And, and that's pretty telling because I think, you know, in my brain, I fill my 
brain with draft knowledge every year. And you kind of forget the year before as I start filling the new 2021 names in. And neither one of us could even remember Keyshawn Vaughn's name. That's how little he did as a rookie in the uh, NFL. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just in dynasty rookie drafts, this time of year, he was like a third round pick. And then as soon as he got picked, he went to like the eighth or ninth player overall. I mean, over Justin Jefferson at times. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, wow. wow. Yes. <laughs> oh when you think about it, you think how laughable that is. That's amazing. Yeah. The folks yeah. that drafted Justin Jefferson, they got a, a heck of a steal there in those dynasty <laughs> It's Absolutely. looking like we'll see how things go in year two for those wide receivers because things can change quite quickly in, in uh, the careers of wide receivers. And, and that class is going to be fun to watch. Another good wide receiver class this year, which we talked about yesterday. Go back to the Monday edition of Peacock and Williamson. We talked a lot about wide receivers four through, you know, our late round sleepers in this draft class. Uh, let's talk really quick. I, I want to get to the article you sent me about draft capital. I'm going to save that for the last yeah. segment. Let's talk about Teddy Bridgewater really quick because there's uh, something in his contract. So he's guaranteed $10 million right now as we speak. Uh, if yes. they have him on the contract, I forget which, is it the first day of the season or the first day of training camp? Uh, week one. Week one. So, okay, so if he's on the I roster. I guess the final roster. I mean, you know how the right. final cuts yeah. come okay. out. Yeah. So if he makes the final roster, then that goes from $10 million guaranteed to $17 million guaranteed. So I have a feeling that even if it was just the $10 million guaranteed after acquiring Sam Darnold, I don't think quarterback is out of the conversation to pick eight for the Panthers, and especially not if they're able to trade Teddy Bridgewater. Maybe that's a post-draft trade. Um, there was a report from Ian Rappaport that there was multiple teams interested. That sounds like the Panthers telling Ian that. Um, yeah, I thought uh, that too. <laughs> but we'll see if they're able to do that. There was another report that Bridgewater might be willing to take a pay cut to facilitate a trade if it got him into a situation where uh, he might have a better shot at starting. It sounds like Teddy knows the writings on the wall that it's going to be Darnold over Teddy and maybe even a draft pick as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it doesn't seem like massive news, but I do think it's one of the dominoes in the, the remaining quarterback, you know, landscape here that 7 million to me is probably enough where I would flat out cut Teddy. You know, I mean, that, that's what you're gaining if you're Carolina, the seven million, which you can roll over to next year or use to extend Darnold if you love him or whatever you want to do with the money. So I think that's probably enough to move on from him. And teams, you know, Denver's of the world know this, you know, and probably won't give Carolina a heck of a lot in compensation if they were to trade for him. So if we see a trade go down, I'm guessing it's going to be for a fifth round pick or a future fifth or something like that. And we'll all say, boy, I'll take Teddy for that. Well, I think Carolina is very much in the give him away mode now or cutting him. And then some teams will compete for him on a new contract. So, but if you're Denver, I mean, and there's other teams, but Denver seems like the most logical one. And I think they have a position coach or there's some correlation with Denver. Maybe it's their, I think it's their GM that was with, Teddy, I'd have to think oh, that uh, over. Peyton, yeah, so Peyton yeah. was in Minnesota when they drafted Teddy Bridgewater. Okay, yeah, and perfect, perfect reason why they'd have interest. But if you're Denver, who has some cap space, by the way, they have one of the more, you know, more to spend than most teams, maybe you'd bring them in, but wouldn't you prefer to do that after the draft, you know, if in case you can't land your guy or, you know, he's not priority one. Definitely not priority one, which makes me think teams are going to, and I kind of felt the same way about Sam Darnold. So I'm surprised the yeah, Darnold trade yeah. happened before the draft, but maybe 
the, the Panthers wanted to get in front of that, and then now they maybe are kind of running the show with, okay, look, we have a veteran quarterback, and you didn't get your quarterback in the draft. Now you got to come talk to us. And so maybe we'll see what happens potentially before the draft. My guess after the draft, maybe Teddy Bridgewater will be on the move. I have a feeling he's going to have to take that pay cut, though, uh, maybe to stay or go. Because, uh, I mean, I don't know if you want to take that that $10 million guaranteed and just take the hit now if you are the Panthers. But, uh, yeah, it, not looking yeah. good. And, look, it wasn't a great signing in the first place, right? It was a head-scratcher when the, when the Panthers made that move. And now... Uh, probably very willing to move off of Teddy Bridgewater if you're reading the tea leaves. If he's free, if they cut him, I'm not, they have the, not sure they have the cap space. If you're the Saints, would you want to bring him in and maybe even put him ahead of Jameis? Yes. I would just add to that competition if you're and the see what Saints. Happens, yeah. yeah, and they obviously liked him enough to have him before. How about this question? So, yeah, if Jameis Winston and Teddy Bridgewater are both free agents and would take the same exact contract, which one do you sign? I would sign Jameis by a million, but I don't like the check down quarterbacks. I, I went, mm. the, I went the gunslinger yeah. nine out of ten times. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe Sean Payton can like tame the gunslinger, but you still have all the the arm talent and everything like that, and the LASIK surgery. We still haven't seen the full results of that. Who knows? Maybe there's a lot there left with Jameis Winston. At least the potential is there. I have you, hope. You kind of cap yourself. You know exactly what you're going to get, and it's not going to lead to probably a lot of wins and playoff appearances if Teddy Bridgewater's your number one. So that's just. Uh, Carolina lost a ton of close games. You know, right. I didn't plan on going down this road, but I don't know a ton about betting. But if you bet on Teddy Bridgewater with the spread involved, you've made a lot of money over the years. But his win-loss percentage isn't great. Like, he keeps you close. You you, you cover the spread. You know, if it's Carolina plus seven, they lose by five. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, he's that guy. That's why I don't see a team wanting to pay him either, which is why I think he probably ends up just staying in Carolina because you want your stopgap to be cheaper, shorter contract, and that's kind of where it's destined to go, I think, with Teddy Bridgewater. That stopgap guy can't start some games with you, but you you have a high upside play somewhere around the roster with him. Mm -hmm. Maybe you draft Penny Sewell or Rashawn Slater, you know. Who will be running the 2021 draft? The teams with the most and least Draft Capital, next. However in-depth with repairs you can and would like to get at home with your vehicle, rockauto.com allows you to do so. Or just the staples, the things that everybody needs. Jumper cables. Do you not have jumper cables in your car? Go get some at rockauto.com. Engine parts, brake parts, oil, whatever you need, rockauto.com has it, and they have reliably low prices, such an amazing selection, Go to rockauto.com. You will be blown away by the selection they have on any vehicle you could imagine. I'm scrolling rockauto.com. It goes all the way down to 1909 Model Ts. Yes, they have parts for that. It's crazy. So fix up that old car. Keep your new car running smooth. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car or truck will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Okay, Matt, let's finish up with this one. You sent me this, and it's an interesting one from Warren Sharp, posted, though, on NBC Sports, and Warren Sharp does great work. And this article goes deeper into the last 10 years, the last couple of years, who had the most draft capital. But I want to focus mostly on what's going on this year and in which teams will be running the draft, who has the most draft picks and the most total draft capital, and which teams have the least to work with when they're picking players at the end of the month. I often reference Warren Sharp. I urge everyone to check out his site. He has two different sites. 
He has a great um, NFL preview guide that comes out every year. He does tremendous work. And even uh, I watched the video this morning. It's like a six or seven minute video describing what he did here, you know, nerding out with his numbers and his draft capital. And as you mentioned, you can go back 10 years and see where everyone ranks your favorite team. And the one thing that's not even in this article that he made reference to in the video, which I was like, wow, Warren, you're really taking the next level. He's projecting who will have the most draft capital a year from now. He went to all the Vegas odds and figured out if all these teams hit their win totals exactly, who's going to be sitting pretty in next year's draft. And not to spoil it, he said the Eagles are the team sitting prettiest. If, if everything goes to script, which of course it mm. won't, they're set up for the most for a year from now. So I thought it was pretty interesting. So he's saying the Eagles will be bad, plus they have extra picks on top of it, essentially. Right, right. right. I mean, they've made moves. They have, you know, if Wentz hits his three first-round picks, if Wentz fulfills his, you know, his uh, whatever it was for the trade deal. So they could be a real player a year from now. And unsurprisingly, the team with the number one overall pick that has multiple first-round selections is the Jacksonville Jaguars, who by far lead uh, the, the commodity of draft picks in this year's draft and it's a it's a note actually with the with the Jaguars and I think it'd be fun actually to go through some teams and I don't know how we would decide which teams because we can't do them all but do some segments where we just draft seven rounds for one team because one thing that really struck me when I was doing a a mock draft was the Jaguars pick at 25 they have another pick right there at 33 so the strategy (laughs) of 25 really depends on the first pick in, in round two and what they think they can get there can go up again if they want to in the first round it's a great point I mean if you're picking that close together and you're going to take a tackle and there's three on the board, eh, maybe I can keep my fingers crossed and get one at 33. Obviously they get the gem of this draft and Trevor Lawrence and, and the method methodology that sharp uses is pick one is worth more than pick two pick 22 is worth more than pick 23. It's not just, I have X amount of third rounders and whatnot. So, I mean, it's all, where the draft has most value, you know, mm-hmm. and certainly the higher picks have a lot more value. It's kind of like the Jimmy Johnson trade chart or the, the, um, the, the different charts that are out there. And, and now that you mentioned it, I would love to have the first pick on day two. You know, everyone gets a pick, give or take. They all go back to their bunkers. Your phone rings all night. Everybody's calling up saying, yeah. I can't believe Samuel Cosby's available or whoever it is, you know. Absolutely. And teams probably calling up. That's the the easiest spot to trade out of, too, if you want. And in all likelihood, if I mean, most teams don't have 32 first round picks, you always hear about teams boards and then, you know, uh, maybe 20 or so first round picks on average per year per team that get that quote unquote first round grade. But if you're comfortable with taking a player at 32, that means he's a first round pick. And there's a very likely chance that if you're picking 33, that one of the first 32 on your board is still available. Oh, without question. And you get to all take a step back, exhale. Boy, I didn't expect those 32 to go off the board. There were three surprises. There's all these trades. I can reset. I really want this guy overnight. You know, have a scotch to finish up your your day one draft (laughs) and relax. And you're laying there in bed going, boy, I bet I can get that pick off the Jags. I want to get Najee Harris or whoever. Absolutely. And who knows? Maybe the Jacksonville Jaguars will pick three times on day one if they want to move back into that situation or they want to sure. package. I mean, how high could they go? I don't have the, the trade chart in front of me. They could go from packaging 25 and 33. They could get back up into the teens quite easily, maybe even closer oh, yeah. to the top 10. And they have so many other picks too. I mean, and not to mention future picks. And, you know, some of these teams, if they want to be aggressive, like this next team, the Jets, 
if, if what if Kyle Pitts or I don't know, maybe Waddle or someone like that starts to fall to 15. Pitts won't. Waddle's maybe the better example or Derisaw or somebody like that. And you just sit back and go, wow, we can get two blue chippers as opposed to just our quarterback. Pick seven. The Detroit Lions, that's the one. The Lions are trading out. I'm I'm, gonna I'm locking it in right now. I'm guaranteeing it. The Lions are trading out at seven. What if Pitts is there at seven and you're Jacksonville or New York? You got all these extra picks. Go up and pair Pitts right. with your young quarterback you just drafted. How about that one? How about that? And now that you mention it, I'm sitting here looking at Warren's draft chart, you know, draft capital chart. And even though the Lions are at seven, they're like right in the middle of the pack. Like they don't have much in the way of draft capital. There's 10 teams or so that are in better shape than they are, including like the Patriots and Minnesota and Dallas and teams that pitch pick later than them. So maybe they'll want to gather as much draft capital as they can. You have to, you have to, if you're the lions, you yeah. have to be essentially yeah. a year behind where the jets and Jaguars are right. And, and the dolphins that's, that should be the plan for you as the Lions to have a whole bunch of picks and be one of these teams that have the most capital in the coming years and rebuild that thing. Exactly, exactly. And the Stafford trade will help that. Those are future picks. But still, you're right. Talking about Pitts, though, at seven, I don't think he gets past the Dolphins, who are picking six now, and there you have the third most draft capital in this in this draft. Yeah, to no shock, I mean, the Jags, the Jets, and Miami have the most draft capital. They're the ones with multiple first-round picks. They all built themselves for this day, and some other teams like the Lions, as you mentioned, need to do the same. So no surprise there. I mean, they're all going to get A's from Mel and Todd and all those the day on Monday after the draft. Look at what they added, and, and that's tremendous. And the other thing about this, too, some of these teams play the comp pick game pretty well, which is why some of the good teams, Green Bay, for example, is kind of in the middle as opposed to near the bottom. Patriots always get those comp picks. As yeah, well. yeah. They don't, Baltimore's yeah. good at it too. Um, the after the, I mean, and it's clearly they're way ahead those top three teams. Then after that, it's the Falcons, the Eagles, the 49ers. and the Niners jumped in this because they didn't trade any twenty twenty one picks to move up. They're all future picks, so they're going to be way down there uh, if they're good, especially in these uh, in these coming drafts as far as draft capital goes. Let's focus on some of the teams at the bottom, and by far the team with the least amount is the Seattle Seahawks who have obviously traded a bunch of their uh, picks and have some uh, you know some high caliber players because of it like Jamal Adams but they don't have a lot of early picks and I think 56 is their first selection in this draft. Yeah, I'm actually pulling it up right now. They only have 3 picks in this entire draft. They have uh well, after the, the 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 Adams trade. So that's a little crazy to me. You know, I mean they they don't value first round picks like other teams but I didn't realize it was that bad. They own the 56th, the 129th in the fourth round and a seventh rounder. That's the only picks they have right now. <laughs> so <laughs> so no, no first, no third and no guys, fifth yeah. and sixth. Wow. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. So they are bottom, bottom. Now that's a lot to give up for Adams and these guys in these trades. So they, they're going to bring nothing in, in this draft basically. And probably a team that is expected to have more capital next year. Um, I would I would guess in Warren Sharp's projections because there's a pretty good chance that I think they're gonna have the number one overall pick next year. That is the Houston Texans, and they do finally have yeah. their own pick back next year, and they don't pick until sixty seven and they have the second least draft capital this year. But even think it just dawned on me, like one year ago, all of us thought Jacksonville was the worst team in the league. You know, heading you know, free agency had hit, um, the draft was about to hit. 
but at least Jacksonville a year ago had some draft capital. You know, like Houston's looks like the worst team in the league, and they're not going to help themselves at all this offseason. It's going to be a year later until you dig in. And and you don't have anything to trade to get yourself more capital later either, right? They need Watson to get off the hook. I mean, I don't mean yeah. to sound callous. Oh, you know, no, they, they, that's, that was yeah. their only chance, which is why I was arguing right. that they needed to do that anyway because they weren't going to win with Watson, and now they can't move off of him. So there's no way to get out of this for them. It, it's going to take just time, essentially. Yeah, I mean, and they didn't help themselves. I mean, couldn't they have traded J.J. Watt for a fourth-round pick or a third-round pick? I mean, yeah. people gave him a ton of money, like – but is that really the smartest move? I mean, it probably could have helped themselves a little more. Yeah, maybe they were just trying to get a little bit of, save a little face with the fan base or something like that. But you could still just say, okay, JJ, find your own trade, essentially. And, yeah, and, right. and, and uh, you're letting him go still and maybe get a little something back. Yeah, and which is funny because I mentioned Arizona earlier. They're fourth worst on this list. They have very little. They traded for Hudson and Hopkins and got Watt without picks, but they're really low. And the Rams are also at the bottom of the list, as usual. I mean, they've had a first-round pick in seven years. And the yeah, no first-rounders, obviously, <laughs> and, and they're worth more than the others, but they at least have some some other day two and three picks, unlike the Seahawks. Right, right. And surprisingly, the Colts are fifth worst, which is very un-Colt-like. I mean, remember my draft ditty for them was they've had eight million second-round picks over the last couple of years. Well, they invested in Wentz, and then last year they traded for Buckner, so... I mean, they're they don't have the draft capital they usually do. I keep forgetting about the Wentz trade. Yeah, it seems like a million years ago, doesn't it? It, <laughs> it does, and like for some reason, Wentz in that uniform in the blue doesn't match up because he was in that yellow and green in college, and then in the green in the NFL, Wentz in blue just seems like it doesn't fit. No, I, I kind of agree. Some of these guys will be fun to see in their new new uniforms. I sound like a little kid, but I, I still look at it that way. Yep, it's going to be fun. I, I can't wait to see how these teams attack things. Uh, I will say, Trent Baalke, not so sure. Urban Meyer, college coach to the NFL, not so sure. If they had any other pick other than the one that was going to draft Trevor Lawrence, I'd be, uh, I'd, my palms would be sweating if I was the Jacksonville Jaguars fans, because like, that could still go very bad. I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm fully bought into who's in charge over there in Jacksonville. I hear you. I mean, uh, my daughter could could uh, draft Trevor Lawrence. We'll see how the other picks go. Absolutely. All right. Good stuff. Uh, your daughter, though, off the air story about her toughness. Like, that's not a slight on her by any means. No, maybe we'll save that for later in the week. We might have to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. All right. Good stuff. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Be back tomorrow. We didn't get into any of your questions today, but we do have some questions to tackle later in the week and draft rankings and maybe some team-by-team mocks as well coming up as we approach the 2021 NFL Draft right here. Peacock and Williamson.